little journal I've kept since uh, January of um, 1985. It used to be hard copy. Now I've got something I use, an online product nonetheless. <clears throat> when God speaks to me or I sense things, I write them down. And I would encourage you to do that. If you want to you keep a record of the things God's saying to you. Uh, let me tell you why. Because spiritual things evaporate. They're not mental. They're spiritual. And I learned a long time ago, uh, in fact, when I was in my uh, second Bible school, 1980, that dates me, I know, but I learned real quickly, you'll get a, you'll get a thought, and it, it, you know it's from the Lord, but if you don't write it down, you won't remember it. You, you go, it'll evaporate. It's gone. So write things down. So years ago, I'd keep a note card with me and a pen, and I always wrote things down when they came to me during the day. Or when I felt like the Lord had something to say. So I've been doing that for a long time. Uh, this past Saturday, we were in prayer, and, uh, and, and God really moved on me. And in fact, I didn't want to talk to anybody after prayer. It was so strong on me. And I, I went home, and uh, as quickly as I could, wrote down uh, what he says. Sometimes I record my prayer times uh, on my phone, and I just forgot to press the red button and record it Saturday. But So I wrote it down. Nonetheless, um, I, I want to talk to you about I was praying, and, and some, the Lord said some things. And let me talk about, I need to preface this with a little bit about, if you want to have a really good prayer life, do the following, okay? So, how many are baptized with the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand. All right, so, if you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, see me right down here afterwards, you can be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, and you're dedicated to Jesus, and you want the baptism with the Holy Spirit, it's available to you, and all you got to do is ask. So, if you're not, come down here, I'll pray with you. You'll receive what I received when I was almost 18, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. With that experience comes the ability to pray in the Spirit or pray with other tongues or uh, speak in the unknown tongue. All those um, terms are synonymous, mean the same. And uh, so I've been doing that all my life, basically, since I was almost 18. And uh, so praying in the Spirit, let me talk about praying in the Spirit. A lot of people don't take advantage of what is available. You know, if you want to be a good athlete, you've got to work out and you've got to... Uh, and you've got to condition your body uh, for some really grueling time. So you have to put yourself on a schedule and a, a pattern and a plan. You know, if you, uh, if you, if you want to uh, expand your physical capacity, you've got to do uh, certain things physically. And all of life is that way. Whatever discipline you're in, uh, you've got to discipline your mind for certain things. So uh, spiritual things are the same. And people, I don't know why, we turn our brain off when it comes to spiritual things. And we think it's all just going to fall on us. Fall on us like ripe cherries from a tree. It doesn't work that way. I mean, you've got you to gotta eke it out with God. How many hear me? And, and if you're going to aggress spiritually, you've got to put your whole heart and soul into it. How many hear me? And the reason, there's a lot of people that come to the Lord, they never grow. Never grow. If I'm the same next year as I was this year, I have a problem. If I'm the same right now as I was five years ago, I have a problem. Hello? I'm lukewarm. And if you lukewarm, you'll never grow. So, you know, for, for me, I just, I've always said, you know what, I, I don't want if, to, if this is what God's called me to do, I'm going to give it the best shot. And it's not just because I'm a pastor. It's because I'm a believer. How many hear me? Some people think, well, you used to do that because you're a pastor. If I wasn't a pastor, I'm going to tell you right now, I'd do whatever I do, and I'd give God my best. How many hear me? And if you do that, there are great benefits. So praying, let me talk about prayer. Real quickly, I'm trying to sum up. So if you want your prayer life to really get fun, do the following. Now, I take some time every day. You've heard me say this, pray in the Spirit. I pray with my mind. I pray in the Spirit. I do both. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 14, what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding. 
So uh, you can pray in the spirit when you want to, start it, stop it, any time of the day, yada, yada. Most people know that, but I pray in the spirit on purpose. And if you do it long enough, you'll have kind of like a breakthrough. And and I don't even know, it's really hard to describe spiritual things, but it's almost like you go into something. You go into a, you go into an atmosphere that's always here, but you're not aware of it. And when you pray, a certain amount of, you got to get there by praying a certain, just praying for a while. For me, years ago, I started, and it would take me, man, the first time, I'm not, three hours to get there. And that was way back in the early 80s. Uh, now, you know, used to be, it would be like, I could get there in about an hour and a half. And you say, you pray for an hour. Well, you know, it started out with five minutes, two minutes. You get it? Um, but now, now I can get there and it takes me about eh, 10, 15 minutes, generally. And, uh, but you get into a realm where God is. And y'all, there are things there, thoughts, knowings, perceptions, um, consecrations, love, peace, rest, fullness, joy, <laughs> that you'll never find anywhere else. I mean, hear me. And if you just live on the surface level only spiritually, you'll never get there. And I meet a lot of believers. You can talk to somebody. You, you know, you can talk to somebody and locate them fairly easily, right? You can tell where you are, right? Is that true? This is available not just to me as a pastor, but to all of us. You can get there. The things that happen to people in Bible days can happen to you. And God can speak to you and get real to you. So anyway, as my, so Saturdays I usually get up. I get up every morning early. I pray minimum an hour and in the spirit and understand with my, with English, with in the spirit as well. And uh, so Saturday morning I got up and, you know, I, I, I get up early on Saturdays because I know I'm coming to lead prayer. So I prayed for a minute, probably actually Saturday, maybe an hour and a half and, uh, at home. And prayed all, about all kinds of things. And that just kind of, I'm kind of tuning myself up. And then when I get here and I lead the prayer at night, I'm ready to go. So, so, you know, I don't have to tune myself up. I don't have to wait the 10, 15 minutes to get in that realm where you just sense things. Uh, uh, John on the Isle of Patmos, John 1.10 said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Now, what was he saying? He said, he said, I became more sensitive to spiritual things than natural things. And when you get there, it's, it's a different place. I, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, but, but there's such um, fullness there. So anyway, Saturday I got here and sat up here on this stool right here. And this is what I do on Saturday. Started praying. Started praying in the spirit. And y'all, that, that atmosphere was there. I mean, you start praying in the spirit and it's there. And here's what happens if you learn how to move with it. You pray with the Spirit, then you pray with the understanding. I pray in the Spirit until words, words come up. I'm a wordsmith. I love, wor- I love words. I've always loved words. I aced English in every English class I ever took in any school I was ever. I just love words. I just love words. So God speaks to me with words, sometimes words I don't even know. And so words came, words come. And then, and then if I speak those words out, 
oh my goodness, it's like all kinds of things are with those words. So that happened to me Saturday. I'm trying to give you an explanation of how that works. You can have that work in your own life if you want to. It's really up to you. See, God will talk to you about you. He'll talk to you about your future. He'll talk to you about things you're wrestling with. Uh, and he will calm you. Sometimes, sometimes you'll get in that place. And he will love you. And let you know that there no, there's nobody he cares about more than you. Is that good? And, and then he knows your thoughts. And if there's anything from your past that is leeching onto you mentally and emotionally, <laughs> he just knows how to talk and wipe it away. Isn't that great? So Lord, I sense your presence in this room just talking about it. There it is. Help each person in this room and watching to get their mind quiet and perceive you in Jesus' name. So, um, see, that's our problem. Our mind goes too much. You can be still physically, but 90 miles an hour mentally. And that's the way that we're, we're almost hypermental today. Would you agree with that statement? I've never used the term hypermental, but you know what I mean by it, right? Because we're so stimulated by everything in the world. There's nothing wrong with mental stimulation. If you don't stimulate your mind, you might lose the thing. So stimulate it. But there is a place to calm it down. So I wrote down when I got home Saturday what I had prayed out. And when I mean praying it out, I was praying in the Spirit and words came. There was a flow. And I was in that place, that place of fullness, where things are always there, but you don't perceive them unless you're in the Spirit. So here it is. And it was so strong that I need to let you know, and it has to do with us, uh, not just our church, but the world, where we're going, where we're headed, why we're dealing with what we're dealing with, why it seems to be prolonged, and then what is coming next. So um, uh, just hear me out. You know, if you're watching online, you may think I'm a cuckoo. And you know what? God bless you. I'm fine. I just want you to hear it out because this is all coming in our future. So here it is. And what I want to do is uh, I actually copy pasted my journal. Uh, I keep a journal in a thing called Evernote and it's protected. Nobody can get to it. Uh, and then I copy pasted into my notes here tonight. And I've got them available. If you'll go to our website, Victor Church Raleigh, and look at the notes, you can see the notes. So um, I titled this, God is preparing us for his next move. How many know God wants to do something, I mean, really, really big, but generally people don't understand it. And I want to give some understanding as to what I sense when I get into that place. Uh, so here's the journal that starts here today. I put in parenthesis last Saturday. As I, was, as I prayed, I was asking the Lord some things. How long would this COVID epidemic last uh, keeping the world shut away. We all have that question, right? It's like, when's this going to quit? I, I sense people finally, you know, getting some angst about it. Like, okay, this is, all right, what's going on? All right, all right, this ought to be over already. You know, it's like, okay, let's open things up. Let's get back to normal. Life ain't normal. So when's it going to get normal? What's going on? So I was asking all those questions inside, and I was a little bit aggravated. I, inside, various times I've been 
quite aggravated about it, and you perhaps have too, because, you know, you feel helpless, like, what can I do? I can't do anything about it. So I had that question. I was also praying about the moving of the Holy Spirit as prophesied by Joel, and, you know, pr- uh, to, to categorize that, I, uh, ever since I've known the Lord, which was 1976, September 12th, 1976, all my spiritual life I've heard, so that's 44 years, uh, September. Uh, I've heard that before Jesus comes back, tremendous moving of the Holy Spirit, and God's going to do some dramatic things. But but that's just what people would say, and it'd be grand and glorious, and people be would be healed and ministered to in all kinds of ways. And, and you hear that I've heard that all my life. But 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 you, but, but, but that's about it. Uh, okay, so what is it really going to be like? So uh, here's some definition to that. I was asking the Lord about it. And then also I mentioned this Saturday, so bear with me if you're here Saturday because I need to repeat some of this. Zechariah 10.1 is something that I've prayed here, and I actually got it from Kenneth Hagin in the early 80s in uh, Tulsa when Susan and I lived there for almost eight years. Uh, and we would frequent his prayer meetings, and Zechariah 10.1, he would pray that out. Zechariah 10.1 says, ask the Lord for rain, which is a type of the moving of the Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. So, so he in the prayer meetings would tell everybody, we're going to pray and ask God for rain. And he would be praying, and I mentioned this Saturday for, at the time, early 80s, was praying for Russia, uh, communist countries there that were behind what at the time we called the Iron Curtain. Nobody could get through, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, just, he'd just begin to pray for them to open up and would pray in the Spirit and, be, and would ask the Lord for the rain, the, the rain of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I moved to uh, South Carolina uh, September of 1988, uh, and uh, the Berlin Wall fell November of 1989. And then Russia opened up. And man, I've been there twice myself, just incredible things. So, but the formation of that was prayer. And I was in, in, and so ever since then, I've always prayed, Lord, I've asked the Lord for rain at the time of the latter. And I've said, God, uh, let us be included in whatever you do all over the earth. Uh, so that, so with our church, I want to be involved in the moving of the spirit. I don't want to be on the sidelines watching it. I want to be involved. How about you? So, and then Joel chapter two, verse 28, let me read this. It shall come to pass afterwards. Uh, Joel said, that I will pour out my spirit, God said through Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders. And then it talks about what day it would be when there's a great outpouring of the spirit, both on the old and young. And, uh, I, and then he says this, I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, what kind of wonders? Here it is. Uh, blood, fire, pillars of smoke. Now, what, what does that indicate? War, tumult, uh, challenge. Uh, and and it, it, doesn't put any, it doesn't put boundaries on it. It just makes a blanket statement. And then it says the sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Now, that, that particular... Uh, idea is mentioned six, seven times in scripture about the sun, moon, and stars darkening. We've mentioned that from Matthew 24 where Jesus mentioned it. Revelation 6, we've gone through the book of Revelation. Just before the rapture occurs, sun will darken. It's a sign that the rapture is about to happen. Get ready. And it'd be kind of a freaky kind of time. And so he goes on to say here, uh, verse 32, it'll come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion in Jerusalem, um, they shall be, there shall be deliverance 
as the Lord has said among the remnant whom the Lord calls. So there's a moving of the Spirit. Question is, what's it going to look like? Uh, well, let me just say right up front, uh, and, and if you don't mind, I'm just going to read the notes and make comment, because that way maybe I won't get off, because I tend to be verbose. Uh, one of the points there is that there would come a time of uh, war, that is blood, fire, smoke. It speaks of a time of hardship. I want you to hear me. Um, I began to pray, and as I prayed on Saturday, I began to pray that there must be purity before this tremendous power that Joel talked about uh, was unleashed through the body of Christ, and, and, and that we're not ready yet. Now, I'm telling you, the body of Christ is not ready for what's coming. When the power of God comes in its purest form, it brings two things with it. Because in God's, it's hard to talk about his presence. We sing about it. Because God's presence is so pure. Nothing impure can exist there. How many hear me? Nabadab and Abihu. Samuel's sons offered strange fire before the Lord died instantly. Uzzah touched the ark as it was going back to Jerusalem and dropped dead. Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost and fell down at Peter's feet dead. Now that's a, well, my God, what kind of God is that? He's holy. How many hear me? Uh, Samson experienced the power of God and it, he allowed, because he didn't hallow himself, that power destroyed him. Gouged his eyes, the enemy gouged his eyes out. He ended up giving his life. Get it? So, so when you're talking about God's power, you get talking about something that's so awesome that anything that is unhallowed will be challenged by it. How many hear me? It's quiet. But I, I don't know how else to say this. So, so, so the, the power's coming. Joel 2 will be fulfilled. Now, now, now Joel 2 and the moving of the Holy Spirit, you talk about spiritual gifts manifesting. Let me explain a little bit. I've taught on this ever since I've been at this church 26 years this year. Spiritual gifts from 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. There are nine of them classified three. There are three classifications of the nine gifts. There's the first three are gifts that reveal something. It's the word of wisdom. Everybody say word of wisdom. And that's where God shows you something, just a fragment of the future about something. The word of knowledge is where God gives a person just a fragment of his all-knowing about something that's going on right now or, or something that's happened in the past. That's the word of knowledge. And then there's discern, discerning of spirits. The word discern means to see. That is seeing in the spirit realm. So John on the Isle of Patmos, we're teaching on Revelation, saw Saw Jesus, saw angels, saw heaven. They was, that was the gift discerning of spirits in manifestation. Peter was in jail and uh, church praying for him. An angel appeared. He had discerning of spirits. Uh, Paul, Acts 27, was on a ship and, and, a, and a big uh, storm was about to tear the ship apart. And, and, and at night, an angel appeared to him. He had discerning of spirits. Joseph, Mary's fiance, had discerning of spirits. He saw an angel said, marry that woman. Mary had discerning of spirits. 
And Gabriel said, you're going to have a baby, even though you've never had sex with a man. And she said, that's amazing. So, you know, just saying that discerning of spirits. So, uh, uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. And, and then there are three gifts that are powerful. The, the gift of faith. The gift of faith is the ability to say something, and you just know, by golly, that's going to happen. And there's no devil in heaven that'll keep it from happening. And God uses me in the gift of faith sometimes. It's amazing. You can't doubt it. It's beyond your ordinary faith. Then there's the gifts of, of working of miracles. The gift of working of miracles is a temporary suspension of the laws of physics that operate this planet as we know it, like Jesus walking on water, like the multiplication of food, the little boy's lunch feeding multitudes of people. That's not normal. Uh, like, like Peter catching a fish and there's a, and there's a coin in his mouth. I mean, that's weird, right? Uh, it's like, it's, like, uh, uh, it's like the prophet, you know, somebody lost their ax head. And the thing, the prophet just spoke and the thing floated back up to the top of the water. That's not normal. Okay, so working of miracles. We're going to see working of miracles come into manifestation. Multiplication of food. I'll talk about that later. Uh, then, uh, and then gifts of healings. They're both plural, gifts of healings. That's the healing of disease without medical assistance of any kind. God made the human body. He invades it with his almightiness and heals the human frame of some malady. And then there are three gifts that say something. And so that's the uh, different kinds of tongues, uh, uh, interpretation of those different kinds of tongues, and then the gift of prophecy or inspired utterance. Those are spiritual gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit. So what Joel, what God revealed to Joel was there'll come a time where that's heightened. And, and we're coming on that time, and it feels like we're coming up on it maybe sooner rather than later. I, I feel like, now I could be wrong, uh, it just feels like we get into next year, and you're going to see some stuff. And so I was praying about all this, uh, and so God revealed to me, and I, I, was, I was feeling Joel too, uh, that it was a time of war when it talked to blood, fire, smoke. I mentioned this, and it speaks of a time of hardship. I began to pray that there must be purity before this tremendous power unleashed through the body of Christ, and we're not yet ready. Next paragraph, look at this. I begin to pray that this is a Joseph time. And I actually prayed that out, and I've never really said it that way. A Joseph time in the body of Christ. Now, now, now what does that mean? Joseph saw himself, um, oh, there is a vision of revival, but none will come until we are uh, ready. There's a vision of revival. Uh, Joseph saw himself as a leader. You know, he had a dream and saw his family bowing before him. And uh, he was 17 years old when he saw that, and, uh, and he told his family, and they got just absolutely mad at him. And, you know, his brothers beat him up and, and uh, took him away and sold him into uh, slavery. And he ended up in Potiphar's house in Egypt. And you know the story about that. So, and then I said, as I prayed on Saturday, and I wrote this down, um, a time of angst, listen, must come before the time of awesome. I kept praying out angst, awesome, angst, awesome, angst, awesome, saying different things. Time of angst, that is hardship, challenge, difficulty. What happens when you're challenged? Do you get aggravated? 
Yes or no? Do, do you get upset? Does it move you inside? Do you question yourself? Do you question others? Do you sometimes question God when things aren't going right? See, it's a time, uh, hardship produces, on purpose, a time of introspection. Much like uh, silver, or oh, I'm sorry, uh, metal alloys. Different metals all amalgamated together. You heat them up, the impurities rise to the, rise to the surface. And that's what happens in a time of difficulty. So the angst before the awesome is a time of difficulty before the power of God really manifests in a strong way. And the purpose for that is to clean us up. So let me go further. Here it is. Joseph had not let go of his self-will and had to go through a period of preparation to be used by God as the leader he was called to be. Joseph was 17. There might have, might have been a little bit of braggadocia in his life, in his voice. Hey, y'all, guess what? Hey, I saw y'all bowing down for me. I, I saw it clear. I, I saw it more than once. And daddy's, daddy's right there with you. Man, this must be really something big going to happen. God's going to use me. Aren't y'all excited? Uh-uh. Man, they saw him, you know. So, so I said he had to be tempered. He wasn't ready for what was coming in his life. And God had to send Joseph through a period of angst before he could ever get to the awesome God had for him. You get it? So um, he had to be in the prison for 13 years with nothing going his way. You can read the story in the book of Genesis. Uh, in, or, and I've got it at the bottom of the notes, a little bit of it. Uh, in order to be trained to be the leader God had called him to be. Uh, so uh, Potiphar's wife lied about him. He got put in prison. And everywhere he went, he still excelled, but he was still in prison 13 years. How would you like to know that God called you to be a leader? Maybe, maybe God's called me to be a leader of a corporation, and you're in prison. <laughs> Something's wrong. You're going the wrong way. This is backwards. See, God understands that we've got to be trained, molded for the things that are ahead. And that's where we are in the body of Christ right now. So here's what I said. The next paragraph, the body of Christ at large, will likewise go through a period of angst to be pruned, cleansed, prepared for use in God's glory. God will give his glory to no other. How many heard what I just said? God will give his glory to no other. We must be emptied of self-will in order to be used in God's glory in the days to come. Right now, I'm talking to the body of Christ at large. The body of Christ is all about us. And I really prayed this out. I mean, I prayed these words out and I had to write them down. Our life, our church, our wants, our desires, our will, our way, our likes, our dislikes. Rule the day. And then this next part, this hit me. We selfishly promote our ministry, our church. Our likes, our way. And what God's going to bring us through is he must change us to be willing to be hidden, listen, unknown, and willing to take no credit to ourselves for what happened. If God healed somebody through you, well, it's time to take up an offering. It's time to start a ministry. Hey, let's tell everybody on Facebook. But if you get where God wants you to be, God will use you to minister to someone and nobody will know. And if you got to have somebody know, you're still not dead enough yet for God to use you. Paul said you're dead and your life is hidden with Christ 
in God. And y'all, let me just say, the American church is the worst at all of this. And then we've taken the way we are and we've, we've transmitted it to the whole world. In our missionary, not all the time and not everybody, but there's a segment and there's enough of it going on. There's too much self-promotion. And as long as I have self-promotion, God will say, I better not use that person because the very glory that could help someone else could destroy them. You don't want to be a Samson, right? Nobody wants their, so to speak, eyes gouged out like Samson's was. Samson didn't discipline himself. And he used the power of God to his own advantage. If you go read the passages about his life, it's, it's quite a sad story, the truth is. So again, Galatians 2.20 must become our heart passion. Uh, I have been crucified with Christ, Paul said. We glibly say this, but listen to what he's saying. I have been, that is, I've been to the cross. I've nailed my hide to that cross. I've let, I've let God nail my hide there. I don't have likes. I don't have dislikes. I don't have wants and desires. They're all crucified. I don't know about you. I ain't there yet. Are you? I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in my human body, flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Then the next paragraph, the COVID pandemic, I put that in, uh, in uh, quotations because there's just something about this thing's not right. There's more there than meets the eye. Most people are figuring out something's going on here. The COVID pandemic has been allowed by God to continue. I got this in prayer, y'all. This is what I, it was a shock. It was new to me when I said it. Has been allowed by God to continue. God didn't cause it, but he allowed it. When that came up in me in prayer, I challenged the Lord, said, Lord, I don't like that. I don't like to think that way. I don't, I don't like that coming out of my mouth to you. I, I don't like the fact that you're allowing this. Why? Why would you allow? And here's, here it is. He often uses his enemies to his advantage. My goodness. God will allow his enemies to think they're winning. But see, God thinks according to long-term strategy. Isn't that cool? You might know this because you're a military guy. I keep getting this thing and I don't have the whole quote Winston Churchill. They've surrounded us on the north. They've surrounded us on the south. The enemy's got us on the east and on the west. We've got them right where we want them. <laughs> uh, that's where we are. You're helpless, right? Uh, unless God comes through, you're helpless. How many hear me? So often, listen, I want you to get this. This is, this is not the American way. This is God's way. God will allow it to look like his enemies are whipping your backside. And it ain't working right. Look at the, look at the um, paragraph there. He's willing for it to look like his enemies are winning the day if that will bring his people to a place of repentance and selfless living. Further clarification, next paragraph. Jesus gave to the point of giving his own life and Satan thought he had won. The whole time Jesus is being whipped and his blood's on the ground. 
And it ain't pretty. It looks like a piece of hamburger meat on a human body. And then they staple his hands to the cross. And he says it's finished and dies and gives up the ghost. And he's laying there limp. Don't you know the demons in hell are laughing? <laughs> we got the son of God. We're going to take over the planet. Ah, let's go. And then Jesus raises from the dead. And not just him, us too. He brought many sons unto glory, right? So you understand God's got strategies that we don't understand. God's a tremendous strategist. He'll make it look like you're being whipped. Nothing's working. And he does that to work character in us before he says, okay, now let's unload the power. That's what's happening right now with us, with all that's happening in our, in our nation. God's not causing all this mess that's happening in the, in the cities. God's not causing that. God's not causing this COVID-19 shutdown. He's not causing it, but you know what? He'll use it. And it just makes the devil mad because he can't figure out why God wouldn't use his almighty power to squish him like a bug. God just lets it go. Just lets it go. Why? Because he's working something in his people. So his people will be available and ready when he turns up the power. You get it? So let's go to the next paragraph. The length of the test is determined how long it will take his people to come to repentance and yield to him. Hmm. We must get to the place that nothing in this earthly life is more important than God's kingdom and his will. This is where we are right now. Then the next paragraph, like Samson, the church has been in the ropes and chains of the flesh and carnality in many ways. Now, not everybody, understand, I'm talking broadly. And I'm basically talking about the church in America, particularly we're, self, we're, we're selfish. As one guy I listened to, and I didn't like what he said. If I'd have been around him, I said, you need to shut your mouth. He said, he's from another country. He said, you American Christians are the most selfish people I've ever seen in my life. I wanted to slap his jaw. But he's telling the truth. We're independent. We're self-willed. We want to win all the time, and we want it on our terms, our way. Yes or no? In all of our movies, we whip the dudes, we whip the bad boys, and we walk off into the sunset, and you won't mess with us. Well, there's nothing necessarily wrong with winning, but God just has different strategies. I don't like all of God's strategies. That's a personal confession. I didn't say I liked it. That's what he does. So what's this? Like Samson, the church has been in the ropes and chains of the flesh and carnality in many ways, and it has cost us the presence of God and the tremendous anointing that we should be walking in. Samson's compromise. Go read it. I got it at the end of these, uh, these notes. Samson's compromise cost him his sight and strength. When his hair began to grow back, you know, Samson was a Nazarite from his mother's womb. Uh, an angel appeared both to his mother and his father and said, you got an unusual child here. He's going to be a Nazarite from his mother's womb. Never cut his hair. And he's not going to be drinking. We need to hear that today. But never cut his hair. That's his power. Nazarite vow. And as long as he didn't cut his hair, you know, well, he had the strength of a lot of men together all at once. And uh, until Delilah, he laid in the lap of Delilah. 
And Delilah cut his hair. Oh, my. And then he found himself bound by ropes, and he couldn't get out of them. So like Samson, the church has been roped by the flesh, but in the grueling process, uh, did I miss anything? Yeah, when his hair began to grow back, uh, paragraph before. And he saw how he must have missed it. He repented at the end of his life. His strength returned and the anointing returned after he repented. And if you go read the verbiage in scripture, and it's in the notes at the end. He killed more people the very day he died than he did while he judged Israel all those years. So God vindicated him to some degree. Because sadly, in his blindness, he repented. You don't have to go blind to repent. How many believe that? Like Samson, the church has been roped by the flesh, but in this grueling process of discipline, the church will rise up like Joseph after his time in prison, and he appeared before his brothers humbly and wept in their presence. And he said, you thought you meant it for evil, but God took what you meant to do and turned it around, not just for my good, but ended up using me to save my whole family. I had to spend 13 years in a prison. I had to be lied about. I had to allow you to do what you did to me, and I had to forgive you. But here I'm standing, and we're alive in the middle of a famine, and God's using me to rescue the whole world, including my lovely family. And I thought it was awful, but God thought it was awesome. What I was going through, I thought was awful, but God thought this is awesome because I'm going to let this boy shine. So you may feel like what we're going through right now is awful. I feel that way in a lot of ways. I'm not happy about it. I grieved about it. I fussed at God about it. I fussed at all kinds of things about it. Hadn't changed it, right? I've bound the devil. I've loosed the angels of God. <laughs> okay, what's going on here? God said, Mitch, wake up. I'm doing something with my people. Would you allow me to do something with my people? Yeah. Do what you want to do. You're God. Yes, of course. Then quit whining and belly aching and seek me. So, uh, lastly, God is bringing us to the end of our human, carnal, and fleshly desire so we can manifest his glory. He will give it to no one else. He's coming to church leaders first, pastors, apostles, teachers, evangelists, etc., and compelling them to lead the way into his glory by self-humbling and repentance. And this is a worldwide thing. Once Galatians 2.20 reigns in his people, then the greater glory will fall. He's asking us to repent, seek, yield, comply, and place his kingdom above everything else. So in the next few months, here's my encouragement. I mean, really, we got some pretty crazy things going to be happening in America the last few months. Uh, the next few months. It's crazy. It's just crazy. <sighs> Like this or lump this, I'm going to tell you what's going on. Whoever, what, whatever is elected in November will determine how long it will be. Listen to what I'm saying. And I don't care if you like, don't like or don't like. I'm not saying it to be liked or not liked. I'm just saying a fact. Whatever happens in November with a United States election because we have such sway in the world, it will determine how quickly, y'all ready to hear this? It will determine how quickly, uh, just summarize and say, we lose our rights, freedoms, and privileges and become swallowed up into the one world movement. 
where the Antichrist rules one day. It's quiet. So you need to pray. I'm not, some people think I'm being political. Uh-uh. Dude, this is your life. I'm talking about your life. The lives of your children. My grandchildren. Yeah. A lot's at stake right now. And we're playing. We're watching Netflix. And Video Prime. Amazon. Whatever. Huh? And God's saying it's time to seek while you can. Call upon me while I can be found. Call upon me while I'm near. Let the unrighteous man forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And seek the Lord. Isaiah said, I think it's Isaiah 59. So how many hear what I'm saying? So here's my encouragement. I said all that to say, if you're watching online and you don't attend our church, I'm cool with that. It's time to seek God. Find a quiet place, go on a long walk where nobody's with you. Maybe not even your dog because it takes all your attention away. And just talk to God about you. Things that bother you, things you're doing you know you shouldn't be doing, things you're doing when you by yourself and nobody knows, but you know God knows. Talk to him and saying, God, I'm a believer, but I still got this or this or this, or attitudes you have, motivations you have. I'm just telling this where God's taking me now. And I'm taking this to task. I mean, when that power comes, and it's coming, ready or not, and there'll be a remnant of people that'll be used in the glory of God who won't take credit for anything that happens and who are able to walk away from miracles and not, and not say anything about it and not even care. And there'll be others that'll be high and dry. And let me give you a warning. There'll also be others who will become offended at God because life is not going the way that they think it ought to go in the days to come. I don't want anybody at Victory Church to be in that crowd. And if you're watching me online and you attend another church, I don't want anybody to be in that crowd. And this is something that's bothered me the past few months, really. 2 Thessalonians 2 is, is really clear about something. I prayed this out on Saturday as well. Everybody okay? I'm almost done. The Amplified Bible takes the original Greek or Aramaic in the New Testament and amplifies nuances of thought and meaning that a one-word translation doesn't afford. So here's the Amplified 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 4. Now in regard, this is Paul talking to the church, in regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to meet him. That's the rapture of the church. We ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly unsettled or alarmed either by so-called prophetic revelation of a spirit or a message or a letter alleged to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord's already come. There were people, you know, saying, well, Jesus has already come. The day of the Lord's already, that's all past history. Jesus came the first time and said, and they were just, you know, wrong. And he was saying they're wrong. Then verse three, and this is the challenge I have. Let no one in any way deceive or entrap you. 
For that day, that is the rapture of the church, the coming of Jesus, the day of the Lord, which is a horrible time of judgment, will not come unless the apostasy comes first. King James says the falling away come first. Greek word is apostasia. That is the great rebellion, the abandonment of the faith by professed Christians. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, the Antichrist, the one who is destined to be destroyed. So Paul's saying here that the rapture of the church will not occur, the day of the Lord will not occur, the second coming of Christ will not occur, until first of all, there's there's an apostasy of believers who will fall away from God. Now, y'all, I don't know what you do when you read that, but that personally upsets me. I got a lot of friends that know God. I got a lot of people I love. And I just don't want to think that something could come that so upsets a person's spiritual equilibrium that they'll walk away from God. But that's what Paul said the Lord revealed to him will happen before Jesus comes back. Question that I have for me. What am I going to do to not be a part of the crowd that falls away? You ever thought that way? So if you don't get your way, let me get, let me get real. I've got to hurry to a close here. Life gets tough. The rapture doesn't occur before hard times come. The Antichrist reveals himself in the Middle East from a Middle Eastern nation, makes an agreement with Israel, foments agreement between some of the Arabic nations, uses the world system that's working towards a one world ideology of government, a one world um, economy, a one world religion. All religions lead to God. That is going to rise up on earth. Most Christians in America say we'll be raptured away because God's not appointed us unto wrath. No, he's not appointed us unto his, his wrath because when nature rises up in the day of the Lord in Revelation 8, I preached about it on Wednesdays. But there's nothing in the Bible that says we're immune from persecution. Not one scripture says that the believers are immune from persecution. But we in America, because we've had it so good and because we've been so free and we can so do what we want to do, God forbid that something happens and a law is passed where I can't go to church or I can't go eat or I can't do what I want to do or I can't think the way I want to think or spend my money the way I want to spend it where I want to spend it. God forbid the day is coming that our values are going to be challenged. How many hear me? Now that's what the Bible says. And... um, you know, Revelation, I don't want to get too far into this. 13, 14 makes uh, this couple of scriptures, uh, Revelation 9 through 11, I think. And Revelation 14 uh, mentions a mark that nobody can do any kind of commerce unless you have that, that, that mark. You, you, can't, you can't do anything. So, so what you're going to do if that actually really does happen and, and the government doesn't keep that away from America, 
the dollar fails, digital currency, which is already becoming popularized with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, what you're going to do when you wake up one day and the bank say, okay, we've just transferred the dollar into X digital dollar that the whole world is using. Now, if you want to, uh, if you want to buy groceries, we just ask you to do one thing. Uh, we, we need you to just get that little chip thing put inserted in your hand or, you know, it's going to be best for you and us. That way, you know, we know if you got your COVID-19 um, shot and you're immune. And, and then we also can identify you anywhere. You can fly anywhere in the world. Uh, you can go anywhere you want to go. And then you can buy anywhere, uh, even if you left your wallet at home. It's just right there. Did you know a lot of people say that makes common sense? I'm going to do that. And friends... If you do that, you're actually basically going to have to sign a thing that says, I agree with an ideology that all roads lead to God. I don't think you want to do that. I know some people will look at me and laugh, uh, but y'all, the world's working out this way in an uncanny way. And I'm an older man. I'm 62 October in October. I always wondered about all this. It seems too far-fetched. It's not far-fetched at all now, is it? Right? I'm just saying tough times are coming. Harden yourself. So what if somebody says, I want you to stop going to church. You can't go to church anymore. Are you going to stop going because the government says you're not going to go? Yes or no? Or the government says, well, Bibles aren't allowed on, on buses, city buses anymore. Or, or they make a law and say, well, you know, because everybody's the same, you can no longer share your faith with someone else. Or we're going to fine you. And if you do it too many times, we're going we're to imprison you. Or they come to somebody like me and say, because you advocate for what the Bible says and, and you're encroaching on other people's rights by what you preach and they can't be and do what they want to be and do because you say it's sin, then we're fining you, we're taking your 501c3 away, and then we're going to jail you. You think that's outlandish, but that's where the world's going. Are you ready for that in your own life? So here's what I want you to do. I know it's quiet, it's weird, right? Is this weird? Yeah, sure it is. Here's what I want you to do. Take some time and get by yourself, take a walk, or where the kids aren't, the dog isn't, and you're by yourself, and you talk to them, and then, and then you see yourself being challenged for your faith. Maybe an Islamist comes up to you and says, you deny Jesus or I cut your throat right now. Or they bring one of your children, and they say, you forget about Jesus, and you serve Allah, or I kill your child. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Play that out in your head. Have conversations with your children about persecution. I know this sounds outlandish, but y'all, we're living in a really strange day. And I always wondered how all this would work out. And I thought, probably won't happen to us. It really could. I'm just saying persecution's coming. Right now, we're in a time frame where God is wanting us to cleanse our lives so His power can be displayed. Here's what's going to happen in the future. A lot of terrible, a lot of bad, a lot of awful. At the same time, the glory of God is going to hit the earth and be displayed like you've never, 
ever seen it before. The joy of the Lord, the peace of God is all with that, not without tremendous persecution. I don't know how deep it'll get in America, but it's coming on the earth. And I just want you to be ready. I know this is a weird conversation, but y'all, we're living in strange times. Get ready for what's coming, because a lot of it isn't going to be nice. If you play it right, you'll have peace, you'll have the joy of the Lord, and you'll be detached from the world enough that it won't matter to you. It's quiet. Do y'all hear me? So when this COVID thing, I'm stopping. First happened. I've told you this. I went through a grieving really bad. You know, when you grieve, you first of all deny of death. You deny. And then you're angry. Then you blame God. And then you say, okay, what's really going on here, right? The grieving process. I went through a grieving process in March. And um, I didn't really, I told y'all a little bit, but I didn't tell you the whole thing. It was tough for me. I grieved my losses. I grieved, I grieved all kinds of things about my personal life that I enjoy on earth. I grieved them. As if, what if it's not that way again? Things I like to do that may never, I may never be able to do again. I grieved. There's certain things about life I really, en- don't you enjoy some things about life? I just enjoy things about life on earth. God get me, took me through a process of detachment. I don't have to have this, 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 this. I mean, a whole list of things. It was hard. And now it's months after that, and I look back and see how attached to things I was. Do you hear me? Now, I'm a pastor. Hey, give my life for this stuff. But I was still very attached. And I still think I am to some degree. So there's some more secret I've got to do. I got a picture of Paul in that prison where he uh, stayed just before he, his head, he was decapitated. And I've tried to close my eyes and see myself going into that dark, dank dungeon, musky, smelly, no light, rats, and terrible. I like light. I like windows. I like freedom and open space. And I've tried to put myself in his place. He had the joy of the Lord. Jesus appeared to him there. Just before he gave his life as a martyr, he was ready. He said, for I am ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Now, I know this sounds really macabre, but you know, you need to think that nothing matters more to me than the presence of God and standing in heaven hearing well done. The majority of Christians in America are not there. How many hear me? So Father, I can't say any more. This is enough. So just close your eyes. Lord, we worship you, son. As we close, we worship you. You know the future better than we know the past. You know where we're going. Give us the grace to humble ourselves and prepare ourselves for the glory. In Jesus' name.